0: For complete details. Hey everyone, just a quick announcement. The episode you're about to hear was recorded on Wednesday before the Damian Williams news broke, so you won't be hearing about Damian Williams or Clyde Edwards-Elair on today's show. If you want to hear about that, we did record a bonus pod that was published on Wednesday afternoon, so go check that one out. All right, enjoy the show.
1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On
2: his way to a spectacular
1: play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the
2: races! Touchdown! Oh, he's done
1: it again! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and
0: Ben. Got an email from a listener last week that said, you guys should talk more about points per game. Why do I care about where these players finish? Tell me how they did points per game. Alright, good idea. Today's show is all about that. Some noteworthy Point per game uh, notes, uh, noteworthy notes from last year. Like Stefan Diggs and John Brown averaged the same amount of fantasy points per game last year. And now they're on the same team. What does that mean? Then we'll also compare Daniel Jones versus Kyler Murray versus Gardner Minshew in the points per game there. You're not going to believe who was last in that group. Uh, we welcome you to this show here on a, a Wednesday for us, a Thursday for you. Adam Mazer with Ben Gretch and Heath Cummings and Jamie Eisenberg. And what's up, guys? How are we doing, Jamie?
3: Doing great. I had a great interview with uh, Matt Ryan on CBS Sports HQ today. Very nice. Uh, he told us a lot of fun stuff about Hayden Hurst and Calvin Ridley and Todd Gurley. You should check it out.
0: Uh, give me like one juicy nugget.
3: Uh, he said Hayden Hurst is cl- cut from a different cloth, comparing him to Tony Gonzalez and Austin Hooper. He said he's a better athlete than those guys, at least what he's done so far working with him.
0: All right. Ooh. Heath, who have you spoken to today?
1: I'm wondering on this point-per-game thing, is this going to be like official points per game or Azer points per game?
0: <laughs> Mostly official points per game, but there are like, how can you take Daniel Jones's points per game and count week one when he threw four passes?
1: So we're going to do like, Gardner Minshew and Daniel Jones are going to yeah. be like actual games they played.
0: Started, Good. Good. started, just started, yeah.
1: Just started.
3: Uh-huh. Well, well both, I have both. But in America, are you giving Gardner's um, London game? I count the London game, yeah. I know no, wait, that it. didn't
1: even happen in America.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we don't
1: play games in London anymore. We don't need to count the games that happened in London before.
0: Maybe they'll move the entire season to like a London bubble. You never know. We got more opt outs to talk about today. Uh, hot off the press is Nate Solder. Again, this is again with this Wednesday afternoon for us. Giants left tackle. Has not been a very good left tackle, but a veteran left tackle nonetheless. Opting out, Packers wide receiver Devin Funchess. Has not been a very good wide receiver, but a veteran wide receiver nonetheless. Devin Funchess not uh, opting out. Which one is a bigger deal for fantasy? Nate Solder of the Giants or Devin Funchess of the Packers? Ben? Uh,
4: I guess Solder, yeah. I mean, he's a starting tackle. I don't know that Funches was, wasn't was even necessarily going to play a ton. You know, there was a possibility he could have competed... For the number two spot, but um, especially with a shortened off season, I was expecting Lazard to be that guy. He already had developed a little bit of a rapport with Rogers late last year, and just didn't really get a ton of guaranteed money or anything. He got kind of a, a small contract. I don't know that the Packers were really relying on him
0: being like the guy or anything. What do you guys think, Heath?
1: Yeah, I don't know that the, like these moves are not going to cause me to adjust my project or rankings in any way?
0: Okay. Uh, Jamie, is this bad news for Daniel Jones that they could theoretically move their right tackle uh, Andrew Thomas who was the fourth pick in the draft over to left tackle, but he's a rookie with no mini camps or anything like that. They have I think Cameron Irving who's a veteran from the Cowboys, who's just kind of a swing tackle. but you know this is this is not good. How big of a deal is it for Jones?
3: I don't think it's a huge deal for Jones. It's not great, but I don't think that Solder was going to make or break Daniel Jones this year, obviously having better protection helps that goes without saying, but based on what Solder has done as a member of the giants and the fact that they did draft someone as high as they did, who has the pedigree that he has. I think that should allow for hopefully similar play, if not a potential upgrade. So for me, it's more fun just because I, I, now it, kind of solidifies if you're in the alan lazard camp that he should be the guy there because of what else is is around um this receiving core behind Devonte adams and then if you're looking for a couple of sleeper options uh jay sternberger becomes another one of these late round tight ends if you're looking in deeper leagues as well as maybe somebody like we talked about earlier this week reggie bedleton you know somebody or bagelton however you pronounce it um you know getting an opportunity from the cfl you know so marcos valdez cantling as well so i i think You know, you should be relatively excited if uh, maybe you traded Alan Lazard to somebody in a Dynasty League and um, had to part with him, like I I did to (laughs) he.
0: I say Cameron Irving for the Giants. Cameron Fleming would be the offensive lineman formerly of the Cowboys. Not that anybody really cares. Um, That's all the opt-out news we got right now. We do have some other news and notes from around the NFL, and then we'll get into points per game. We are also one of 20 finalists for the sports category of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. If you're tired of me telling you this, we only have a couple more days. The nomination process ends at the end of the month, the end of the month of July. So please, please, please go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Toggle down to the sports category. This is the last chance to nominate us. We've got the link in the top of the episode description. um, And there is apparently a pizza party versus pick six, Schrager. What's going on here?
4: Yeah, winner gets a pizza party. We'll see if anybody's a finalist between us two, but we better beat out Brinson and those guys.
1: How does uh, a pizza party work in today's age?
4: We each get a box of pizza, eat it over Zoom, broadcast it. I think it sounds <laughs> I'm, I'm going
1: <laughs> to guess
3: uh, Heath, Yumi, and Dave get the reaped rewards of the pizza party because we are technically still in the home base office. Uh, Schrager is not right now. Azer and Ben Gretsch get screwed. Because of where they live but we can all take part in that if our bosses decide to purchase that I, i've also uh somebody somebody tweeted at us uh Will any of you shave your heads if um a, 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 as a result of the nomination i said if we win i would shave my head so if we win Ooh. the award if we win the award and i think he said he would do the same um if we win not not just be nominated win. we have to win i'll shave my head
4: okay so, Wait, I'm not gonna be feeling any pressure here. I'm keeping my hair; it's great.
3: You know what? Screw it. I will shave Jamie's head also if we win. Okay, I am in. I love I it. I think I'll tell you what. I will. I will meet you at a neutral site, and you can shave my head. We'll do it on the air.
0: Okay, let's like North uh, Carolina or something like that. North, okay, we'll drive. Whatever's halfway. We'll dr- driving distance. No problem. And join our Facebook group, everybody. Search Fantasy Football Today on Facebook. The link to that is also in the episode description. You can chat with our FFT team throughout the year. Fantasy Football Today on Facebook. Let's go through some news and notes. Uh, oh, I forgot the biggest one. Uh, that uh, Lamar Jackson wants Antonio Brown, it seems. is uh, lobbying for him a little bit. Meanwhile, the Ravens have talked to Jordan Reed and Delaney Walker, according to The Athletic. Heath, any, anything here with these developments?
1: It is interesting how it seems like all the quarterbacks want Antonio Brown. And um, he's unretired now for the 17th time. So I, it's something to watch. Um, I still think it's really tough like to bring in free agents at this point. So it, we may have to wait a little while longer. But it's kind of hard to believe that somebody won't take a shot at some point. All right. We'll
0: play a fun hypothetical. I think everybody's got Mahomes ranked ahead of Jackson in six-point per passing touchdown leagues. If the Ravens sign Antonio Brown, no. no. If the Ravens if the Ravens sign Antonio Brown, are you still taking Mahomes over Jackson? Yes. <laughs> no, you're right, Heath. I was going to ask it the other way, but um, okay. So Heath says still Mahomes. Jamie Ben still Mahomes.
3: Yes, in six points for passing. Yes, yeah. four points. I would take Jackson.
0: All right. Uh, let's see. Tua tonga has been cleared to practice. The Chargers signed Joey Bosa to a five-year, $135 million deal. We talked about Alshon Jeffrey on the pup list. Corey Davis is on the pup list. And so is right tackle Isaiah Wilson for the Titans. Is this a big deal? Ben?
4: Um, it's not a good thing because they lost Jack Conklin. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, but Dennis Kelly is not, um, a particularly bad replacement. It's just, and I, I think they're probably going to go with Kelly, regardless. It's just, uh, uh, you know, an extension of the fact that they lost Conklin this offseason. Their offensive line is going to be a little bit worse.
3: What about the Corey Davis news.
4: I mean, what do you want me to say? <laughs> he
3: That's wants fun. to say AJ Brown's even better. Um, <laughs> I mean, AJ Brown and John Smith. You know, hopefully that the you know the targets get even more concentrated for those two.
0: Yeah, look, being on the pup list at this point doesn't mean you're going to be. It doesn't mean you're going to be missing the first six weeks of the season or anything like that. You can always come off the pup list. You've got a long ways to go. Uh, um,
3: I got three things for you. Uh-huh. Note. Uh huh. Note. One, it was uh, I think the Mercury News, um, in their breakdown of the running backs of the Forty ers suggested that if Jarek McKinnon is healthy, could be a threat to Tevin Coleman's job. Really I found that fascinating to see. Uh, th- that's clearly just a writer speculating, but you know, you never know how that'll work itself out now that Raheem Mostert has his deal solidified. Uh, the Akron beacon journal suggests that Jarvis Landry is a big concern coming back from the hip injury, which I think we could expect, but not on the active pop list, which is a good sign for him, but something to keep an eye on with his hip injury. And then, you know, we don't often get this. I was looking you know, for some stuff, doing some, some notes for the HQ show. Uh, Will Fuller not being on the active pup list, I think, is a great sign. The fact that he's coming back from the hernia surgery, that he's gonna seemingly be ready to go, you know. So, as we keep an eye on is it Cooks, is it Brandon Cooks, is it uh Fuller who's gonna be the number one receiver they're replacing, Downdre Hopkins? A healthy Will Fuller would be very exciting.
0: It's bringing Ben to tears. The idea of a healthy,
4: I have had a habit of like getting something in my windpipe during shows lately. I have no we idea had a,
3: why. We had a fun debate, um, brief debate. Uh, so we did. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, five guys to target, five guys to avoid. (laughs) Dave and for Heath, uh, mine will be on Thursday. Um, And Dave had Will Fuller as a player that he's avoiding. And so, you know, he brought up the injury concerns and, you know, his his lack of consistent production. Um, And then Heath, you know, gave a a little bit more uh, credibility to Brandon Cooks that he's not getting the respect I think he deserves, or that he thinks he deserves. Um, And it was funny because Dave said he likes the fact that Fuller is going in round six and round seven. I think that's where Ben and I are sort of fighting for mm-hmm. Will Fuller and Heath and Dave are like, nope, I'm out unless it's round eight or later. <laughs> in our normal CBS ADPs, like at the eight, nine turn right now.
1: And so I do think for a lot of people out there, one of the things I tried to clarify on HQ was I'm anti-Will Fuller a lot of times on the podcast because it's a Will Fuller in the sixth round discussion. If people are able to draft him in the eighth round, I'm pretty okay with Will Fuller. I think that's a that's the place where you, you take shots at your lottery tickets.
0: Yeah, and I think for me, I, I always have to debate between Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. And what do you guys do there?
1: I go Cooks. But I go close Fuller,
4: and I just love that Heath had to close that by by calling Will Fuller a lottery ticket, which is just such a gross misstatement, but what are you
1: talking play. about? Like, we can be reasonable about players and what they have been in the NFL. Okay, but he's
4: good. He's been Go injured. Ahead. That doesn't make him a lottery. He's also been productive when he's been. Out. He had
3: like two games with more than fifty yards last year. I think by the time the year is over, if he plays, one of
4: them was the biggest score single season, single week. That's score. a lottery ticket. Yeah, you're not
0: helping your case here, Ben. <laughs> I think well, I mean, okay, 13- on a weekly
4: basis, but that doesn't mean as a player, he's a lottery ticket. As a pick, he's a lottery ticket. That that implies that the guy might be a total zero. This guy he might be a total game. zero. He had the best single game in the last like five years last year. I know it's one game, but you can't just say that didn't happen. That was a 50 point fantasy game. A
2: lottery
1: ticket implies a huge upside. That is not a derogatory term.
3: I think it's a fair, it's a fair, fair, uh, uh, moniker to give him, you know, but I do think that if he plays, 13 plus games, which doesn't happen very often. I think it's maybe happened once for his career. Uh, we're going to see a, a, a top 20, if not top, potential 10 type of wide receiver. On
4: I think weekly people, basis, people, you can call him a lottery ticket. I will accept that.
3: Yeah, but people forget about
0: 2018. He was more consistent in 2018. These were his non PPR fantasy points 17, 16, 10, one lottery ticket, three lottery ticket, six, and 18. But that's. Four games out of seven with double-digit fantasy points, three with 16 or more, one game with six, six catches for 68 yards. It's a perfectly fine game. Two horrible games. But he was a lot more consistent in 2018, and I think people overlook that with Will Fuller.
1: I think the thing is, though, he's been in the NFL for four years. And the year you're choosing to tout his consistency is a year where he played less than half the year. And in forty percent of those games, he scored six or fewer fantasy points.
4: He's not a consistent player. No one's saying I mean, I certainly am not ever trying to argue that a guy with his A dot and his like boom downfield profile is a consistent weekly player, but you're saying in a draft sense that he is a lotto ticket, which is something I reserve for like handcuffs where you're just like hoping that they have the opportunity even. You're
1: hoping that Wilk Fuller in year five produces the first good fantasy season of his career.
0: That's a fact. So I would think 2018,
1: (laughs) I think 2018
0: was a pretty good season. Don't you? I mean, it was only seven games. Are you talking about per game or are you talking about a full season? Well, I
3: mean, you know, we we apply the 2018 season for half a year for AJ Green when we talk about how good he could be. Uh, I don't know why we can't do the same thing with Will Fuller.
0: Let's get a little 16 game pace, shall we? In 2018, (laughs) let's see what it was. (laughs) <laughs> 73 catches, 1,150 yards, and nine touchdowns on 103 targets. That's pretty good, you know. That's he's gonna that's be excellent.
3: 120 targets if he's healthy.
0: Yeah, well, that, that's a that's a player. If Will Fuller gets 120 targets, he's worth taking to the sixth round, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Heath. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. All right. All right, let's move on, guys. Um, top ten at each position. I thought we'd go through this quickly and then talk about some of the kind of interesting points per game statistics. Let's start with um, you know what I got to get a I'm going to get half PPR queued up for the other positions, but we'll start with quarterback. And if anything stands out with the top ten, top ten quarterbacks points per game. Uh, all right, Lamar Jackson won. Matthew Stafford and Drew Brees are two. Now tell me if you buy this. Drew Brees is really ahead of Matthew Stafford because Brees had that one game against the Rams where he, I think he threw five passes or something like that, and that counts. So Brees, I'm going to give Brees number two. We cool with that? Yeah. All right, yeah. You're
4: still giving Stafford a top three spot. Yeah, he's three. Big deal. He's three. Um,
1: Well, I no, I don't think that is fair because Ryan Tannehill. I believe we're counting like two or three games where he came in in relief of Marcus Mariota. All right,
0: I can I can try to do the math there. Um, Tannehill's in the top ten. Jackson. Well,
1: you're still giving
4: Stafford a top five spot, and that's pretty good.
0: Yes, I would do that. (laughs) Breeze, Stafford, Prescott, Watson, Wilson, Mahomes. Winston Tannehill, not even counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, Jeff Driscoll's ten. So after that, Matt Ryan, Matt so Ryan, ten.
3: That's how good that offense is. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> Jeff Driscoll and Wes Hills screw up the points per game they so really much. It's so annoying. Uh, anything stand out there? Jackson Stafford, Jackson Breeze, Stafford, Prescott, Watson, Wilson, Mahomes, Winston, Tannehill, Ryan.
4: Stafford does because his, and we've talked about this, but his average depth of target was a couple yards deeper than it had been for several years. It was over 10 yards per, per pass attempt, much more vertical, much more downfield passing. Uh, it hadn't been higher than eight since I believe it's 2013 or 2014, basically since the the tail end of Calvin Johnson's career as his top targets in the interim years were, you know, Golden Tate and Phil Riddick. They're underneath guys. So new, new coordinator, Daryl Bevel, um, Tate and Riddick had moved along going into last year in, in the in the like 18 months prior. One was traded midseason, I believe, and then and then Riddick was the offseason after. Um, and then Stafford, you know, now with Galladay and, and Jones has a completely different passing profile, it's throwing way more vertically and racks up a lot more numbers. Now his his efficiency's got to regress a little bit, but I think he's a really interesting late round guy.
3: What is Mahomes' point per game points per game if you take out the Denver game? And he got oh. hurt.
4: <clears throat> All right, that's a good one too. He only played a quarter in that game.
0: It's probably you didn't
3: understad that one.
0: Well, no, I didn't. I didn't do that for every. Come on, stop! Please don't do that to me. All right, Stafford's going to wind up QB eight by the time we're done with this. How many? uh, How many games did Mahomes play?
3: He missed two, but he only played a quarter in the Denver game.
0: Yes, you want to divide
1: by thirteen. All
0: right. Ryan
3: Tannehill was at 26.2 fantasy
1: points per game as a starter.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And Mahomes was at 25.3 without the Denver game. 26.2 would actually have made him number two. ahead of. And then
4: he averaged over 300 yards and threw 10 touchdowns in three playoff games. So that was cool too. He-
3: Mahomes, not Tannehill. Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes' first three games before the ankle injury, he was on pace for a better season than he had in 2018.
0: Yeah. Thank- okay.
3: So- though so the thing that stands out, I think, is that the number two, three, and four
1: quarterback on a per-game basis last year, no one's drafting in the top eight at the position. Yeah.
0: And that would be Tannehill, Tannehill Breeze, and, and Stafford? Yeah. Okay. That does, does certainly. It, obviously, Breeze is the one that's going to mm-hmm. go first there. So, yes. he, he'll be close to top eight, right? What is he going to be, nine or ten? Uh, All right, cool. Let's go running backs here. Take a look at a half PPR league and running backs in 2019. Points per game. McCaffrey one. This actually has Barkley two. Uh, Zeke three. Dalvin Cook four. Derrick Henry five. Kamara six. Mixon seven. Miles Sanders eight. Kenyon Drake nine. Aaron Jones ten.
1: That is interesting. Yeah, this doesn't I make had any sense. I looked at the league. I, we actually talked about no, this last this week. No, this is wrong. Derrick Henry was better than Dalvin Cook. This is yeah, wrong. Sanders, that has to be. It's wrong. It's wrong. Yep. It was That's still showing projections. It no, it was showing projections.
0: I clicked the right thing. Okay, here we go. McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> not my fault. clicked the right thing. I did, I swear. McCaffrey, Henry, Cook, Jones, Zeke. Okay, McCaffrey, Henry, Cook, Jones, Zeke. Barkley, Eckler, Ingram, Wes Hills, Nick Chubb, and then Alvin Kamara is actually tied with Chubb for 10th. But you're doing doing
4: non PPR, should also be clear. Half PPR. Half PPR. Half PPR. PPR. PPR.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Henry was second in half PPR. No, you go. Now you go. Okay. (laughs) You want the list again? Which list?
0: All right, here we go. Top 10, half PPR, points per game. McCaffrey, Henry, Cook, Aaron Jones, Zeke. Barkley, Eckler, Ingram, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara.
3: I think that shows you the ceiling for Kamara.
0: What do you mean? He was Because he was so bad
3: and he was still he played
0: through
4: We've talked a little bit about Henry. I, f- I think it's notable that he was very, very close to Cook and not way ahead of like Jones or Zeke or Barkley. I mean, yes, he was RB2, but I still question his upside with the lack of receiving. Uh, he was only about a point in half PPR, only about a point higher than RB5 at RB2. And he gets drafted, what, like RB6 or RB7 right now after that monster season. I I feel like that's closer to his ceiling trying to repeat what he did last year. He was nowhere close to McCaffrey, the RB1. I
1: I would argue that every running back that's drafted in the top six is being drafted closer to their ceiling.
0: Sure. Wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. How about that? Two bucks at two and three overall. Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, uh Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Kenny Galladay, Tyree Kill, and Devontae Parker. Again, it's Thomas Godwin, Evans, Julio and Hopkins. A little surprised to see Julio and Hopkins at four and five in what was kind of, what was a down year for them. Uh Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Kenny Galladay, Tyree Kill, and Devontae Parker. It was a down People year for wide receivers. How-
4: People don't remember how good Cooper cup was in the first half. I mean, I don't remember it. I don't know if I'd talk about it enough. Um, he was phenomenal and he finished top 10 for the full season because of it, even though late in the year, he wasn't even necessarily playing a ton
3: cup in the first half and woods in the second half.
0: Totally. Yep. Yeah. Cup first eight games, top three receiver, 792 yards, five touchdowns on 87 targets. He had the second most targets in the NFL, the second most receiving yards, uh, among wide receivers.
3: Behind Adam, Pittman do me a favor. Uh, Azerstadt, Devontae Adams. Take out the first three games. Why? He played those games. I know, but things really changed for him from week four on.
0: I think I have those already in my notes. You know me. Because he had double-digit targets in all but one game uh coming back from the injury.
4: How about Michael Gallup at wide receiver 15? I know he only went to 10, but I was, I'm looking at it. He's at wide receiver 15 in points per game. We've talked about how good he was when he played. Man, he doesn't go anywhere close to that.
3: He's another guy. Like, I think, you know, we keep talking about the veteran running backs. Him, yeah. Portland Sutton, you know, these guys that we think are going to be impacted by the rookie wide receivers. These guys are, are, are locked in with their quarterbacks, you know, yep. and, and I think you have to take that. Into- like, I moved Gallup up. You know, I, I had him probably a little bit lower than I should have, but I moved him up about 10 spots after uh, the, the preseason games were rolled out. Tyreek Hill. Because he had two games where he basically did nothing.
1: Yeah, um, one eighty four. I mean, you got to stat
0: all these guys out. Yeah, no. Yes. Look, this was not the point of this exercise. T- Devontae Adams kind of interesting. What happened? I had those back.
1: numbers Heath before fifteen point he... six per game and a half PPR for Tyreek Hill,
4: which is a should be right on line with twenty eighteen for him.
0: Fifteen point six would make him no, like a ish with like Allen Robinson. I
4: don't think that's right,
1: Heath. Maybe it's not.
0: Okay. Numbers, please let me uh, let me maybe it is. let me get back to this. Devontae Adams. <laughs> yes. In his last 8 games after the injury, came back from the injury. This was his pace. 116 catches, 10 touchdowns, 182 targets, but only 1238 yards. Only 10.7 yards per catch, only 6.8 yards per target. It's very interesting. Now, he crushed it in two playoff games. He had over 130 yards in both games, uh, 11 targets in both games. But do we make anything of that? I mean, 116 catches, but only 1,238 yards for Devontae Adams. That was his pace anyway in those last eight games. It's just noise.
3: He I has... mean, if you look at the last three, there were three games in a row over 90 receiving yards. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's got enough volume that it probably doesn't matter, um, but that was kind of my argument last year was that if he didn't get the 10 targets per game, um, he's at 7.5 yards per target for his career. That's average, slightly above average. Um, he was 7.9 last year, which actually slightly above his career rate. Like He needs a ton of targets to have good yardage.
0: I'm just going to read the top 10 at tight end, and then we're going to move to the interesting stuff. Kittle... Kelsey, almost tied, Hooper, Andrews, Ertz, Waller, Ingram, Cook, Disley, Disley, and Hunter Henry. All right, let's talk about this. Three rookie quarterbacks last year, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, and Gardner Minshew. They basically all averaged the same amount of fantasy points per game. Minshew was a little bit behind Jones and Murray, who were practically tied. But Minshew had two games that he didn't start. Jones had one game that he didn't start. So, if you take away those games, it was actually Jones 1, Murray 2, Minshew 3, but all of them pretty close. Uh, And if you just want to look at what their paces were, Jones had the best passing stats, Murray had the best rushing stats, Minshew was right in the middle there. Murray and Minshew had very similar passing stats. Jones had the most turnovers. Um, Minshew also had a bit of a fumble problem, which I didn't realize. He was on pace for 16 fumbles, 9 lost in his starts. Murray lost two fumbles all year, and I think they were both in the last game of the season. But uh, you know, just in general, guys, the fact that those three quarterbacks were so close in fantasy points per game, Jamie, what do you make of that with Minshew, uh, Murray, and Jones?
3: I mean, look, Minshew got, I'm, uh, excuse me, uh, Murray got such a, a big addition this offseason that, you know, the hope is he takes a significant leap forward. But you know what you're, Kind of buying into with him because he's being drafted as a top six quarterback. You know whether he's three or six, he's going in that range, and and his ADP is in the fourth round on CBS. The other two guys are lottery ticket quarterbacks. To tie in our our previous conversation, Um, our earlier conversation, excuse me. Um, Jones showed you what his upside could be with those four games over thirty fantasy points. You know that he has a chance to run a little bit. Both these guys do. Minshew was actually the number six quarterback in rushing yards last year with the games that he played jones would have been the number six quarterback on a 16 game basis so they both have the chance i think if they can run a little bit more they were uh, uh the pace for jones and what minchu did shy of 400 yards rushing if they can get to that 500 yard threshold that would be awesome so um the receiving core for the giants is potentially great if everybody's healthy uh offensive line could be an issue now but you know if you're going to be in the camp of weight on quarterback, which I think as a whole, we will tell you that Um, you could take both those guys, Jones and Minshew, and know that you're getting what was a floor last year of around 20 fantasy points with the ceiling to potentially be a lot better. So I I like Jones better than Minshew, but I can certainly see the upside in both.
4: And I also kind of want to throw out that both those guys didn't play a full season. We are using smaller samples and murray did and and while that's not you know the biggest deal in the world for the for them the hope i think is you see them maintain the pace that they showed in a kind of a small sample over a 16 game season they'd be low end qb1s um murray was last year in both scoring systems for the full season stats not for points per yeah, game not
0: per game right but
4: um the note on murray that is basically his floor as I see it. I mean, he had 3,700 passing yards. I don't know that he'll get much fewer than that. We expect Arizona to run more plays because they're pace, all those things. He also only had 20 passing TDs because in five of his first eight career games, which were also the first eight career games of head coach Cliff Kingsbury's NFL career, he threw zero passes, zero touchdown passes in five of those eight games. That's very rare, frankly. He had a 2.4% pass TD rate in that first half, 5.2% in the second half, more than double. I'm not saying he's going to be 5.2% forever, but we did see in the second half of the season, they figured some things out. And I would expect his full season pass TD percent of 3.7% from last year to rise a little bit. Maybe not all the way up to 5.2% like the second half number, but to be better, I would expect him to throw more than 20 TDs and throw more passes and more yards. And he has Hopkins and that rushing gives him that back end QB1 floor already last year. He showed it with bad passing numbers.
1: Yeah, we're it's it's just I think this illustrates we're drafting Kyler Murray to take a massive, massive leap. And we're drafting Minshew and Daniel Jones to be worse than they were last year. Like based on ADP, that's what the ADP would tell you is we we're think not. Kyler, Kyler I think Murray I just
4: made a really good case that we're not drafting Kyler Murray to take a massive leap. I, I, I think he's the number three for, or four
1: quarterback in ADP number three or
3: four. And like he's that's exactly a on, massive Yes, he's the seventh quarterback. 7th on CB okay yeah cuz Josh, Josh Allen's, Allen's the
4: But but even at 3 it's the same point you made with the running backs you're drafting him near their upside regardless the point i'm making is he was QB8 i think in full season last year in in 4 points per passing touchdown and then QB10 in 6 points and that was with completely unsustainable passing numbers right like the the volume should go up and the efficiency should go up if you really look at his passing so what's his floor is his floor really that low? Because if, if he's going QB three and four point per passing TE leagues like the NFC where he is, and he was QB eight in that scoring system last year, and that's you know basically his floor. As I'm like, how, how much of a leap are we really saying he has to take?
1: Well, be better than like about a um, hundred fantasy points. Like, we're drafting me better than Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson and and Deshaun Watson. <laughs>
3: Just by comparison, again, this is CBS ADP, so take that for what it's worth. A lot of our drafts have not happened yet. But Kyler Murray is going as the seventh quarterback off the board at 47.1. Gardner Minshew is going as the 29th quarterback off the board at 168.6. Well, it's too low for Minshew, 29th. That's wild. But but again, he's not going to rise that much. I mean, he may get to QB 20. Oh, he's yeah, he's twenty five or worse, basically everywhere. So I don't know. Right. like so he'll change he's a, a little great bit. value. Yeah, he's a maybe great maybe the twentieth quarterback, maybe.
0: Okay, but do we have a do we have a problem with people drafting Kyler Murray
1: to reach his ceiling? You know, sixth, sixth or seventh? No.
3: So what about third or fourth? I don't see an argument to draft him over Dak. So, so on our side again, uh, Dak is the third quarterback, and he is going. Uh, his ADP is like 26th, but he's essentially the 23rd player being drafted, so he's being selected at the end of round two.
0: Why, we it, can't really go by this, can we?
3: Well, I mean, it's the site we work for. So yeah, but I it's would,
0: but it's but we know what it is. It's it, too it's, early it's, in the process. It's all within a relative, <laughs> it's it's a
3: relative range of every other site when you talk about ADP. Some of the, the yeah. guys are skewed a little bit, but it's within the same range. So, so like
4: on, on NFPC, Kyler's going third, but Watson's going sixth, and they're all 13 picks apart from 53 to 66. Like that's the other kind of Right, this is, this, is off,
3: a, this is a 20, 20 uh draft difference. 20 draft spot difference.
4: Yeah.
0: I'm assuming there's some auto picks in there and some projections that are, you know, yeah, like I said, R A D P will change, but it's, yeah, it's gonna it's change, yeah.
3: Not like so skewed from other ADPs.
4: But my, my the point I was trying to make real, and I kind of cut Jamie off, sorry, but with the the fact that the QB three through QB six, they're going close in a lot of places, except for Jamie, just re- reference on CBS Dex going really high and, and Murray's going a lot later. Um, but when they do go similarly, it doesn't matter that Kyler Murray's QB three. Um, he's not, he's not being drafted right behind Patrick Mahomes in the second round, right? Like he's being drafted in a big group with QB three through QB six. And that's what I'm saying, like, I, I do think the floor to ceiling range matters. I don't think we're drafting him at a place where um, we're projecting him to be some kind of massive superstar. There is a ton of upside here. There is a ton of passing upside as well as the rushing upside. There is the shades of Lamar Jackson. He's way more Lamar Jackson than Baker Mayfield, which people are comparing him to based on ADP, the this, this second year guy that we're, we're all lofting up too high. But his rushing gives him a floor and a ceiling combination that Baker didn't have last year. And he already showed that last year. He showed that floor last year. And I don't think we're, we're drafting him just for ceiling. His floor is high enough that he, he belongs in this group.
0: Okay, let's go to the running backs. How about this? In PPR, James Conner averaged more fantasy points per game than Joe Mixon. And that was with Conner leaving two games very early with injury and having basically no stats in those games and yet he still outscored Joe Mixon, James Conner did, in PPR. In half PPR, they're almost tied. In non-PPR, Joe Mixon was better than Conner on a per-game basis. I don't know about if you take out those two games, but I thought that was really interesting, and it's the catches, because his 16-game pace, if you take out the two games where he played less than 20% of the snaps, was 66 catches, 490 yards, and 6 touchdowns. For Connor and Mixon hasn't come anywhere close to that. So Heath, what do you make of that? James Connor better per game than Joe Mixon last year in PPR and tied in half PPR.
1: I am the wrong guy to ask um, <laughs> because I I I have I don't have Joe Mixon as a first round pick and I don't like I think that there's just some hope based on Joe Mixon's skill level that the Bengals will use him in a way that they haven't used him yet in his career. And well, I mean, it's, well, it's final late games they use him that way. Well, they didn't throw to him that way. He just had really good rushing efficiency.
0: Well, yeah, he had the most carries in the NFL, too, in that stretch. Well, I mean, also, but you know, Adam, if you're going to take out catches. some games,
3: uh, Mixon left week one with an ankle injury and wasn't healthy in week two. Oh, he, okay, you're right. He wasn't
0: healthy. Played, and that was the thing. He played a lot of the first half with an ankle injury. But in PPR, the catch difference for Mixon and Connor is fairly significant. You're right. I probably should have taken out week one for Mixon. But...
3: I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'm a Joe Mixon fan. I don't know where Ben comes out on this. I know you kind of have gone back and forth with the holdout news earlier. I don't know if we've talked about it since then. How you feel about Mixon? So jump in at any point. But um, I, I'm looking at him in the same type of as the same type of player with a higher receiving potential, like a Derrick Henry, like a Nick Chubb, like a Josh Jacobs. You know, guys that are going to be high volume rushers and maybe take a step forward in their passing game numbers, you know. So Mixon was, you know, basically in the final eight games, around three catches a game. Uh he had a couple four catch games, he had a couple of no catch games. You know, so he's he's gonna not necessarily take that huge leap. You know, I think we we kind of look at that 50 number as something that if a guy can get to 50 or more like Zeke has done the last two years, um, if they're able to be an elite level rusher, they can be a first round pick. So I don't think and, and again as a Mixon guy, I'm not gonna say he's a better pass catcher than James Conner. That's stupid. But factoring in Health and factoring in what Mixon should be able to do as a rusher with less competition. I mean, the Steelers, the fact that they brought in Wendell Smallwood could be a special teams move, could be a concern about, you know, is Connor at some point going to opt out because he's a cancer survivor? You know, he says he's not, but you never know. Um, I I just don't know. But they've added competition to that backfield each of the last two years. Uh, I feel more comfortable with Mixon but yeah. this isn't an anti-Connor thing. Like, I think Connor as a pass catcher could be great.
0: Well, listen, I, I got I to gotta clarify here. I'm not saying, when I give that first stat, I'm not saying Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray are the same. And I'm not saying that James Connor and Joe Mixon are the same. I understand why people are taking Mixon. I just think that that stat is very interesting, that maybe there is some some value that, that we're not seeing. It's a way to evaluate these players and what they did in PPR last year.
1: Uh, and I think it's it's worth saying this wasn't a one-year thing with Connor and Mixon the
0: yeah. year
3: before. Connor scored 40 more fantasy points and played one less game. And Connor was being drafted at of the Mixon last year, too.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. If Connor gets that that roll back and he's a feature back and and the Steelers, you want, we talk about 50 catch running backs, Steelers almost always have a 50 catch running back. Sometimes they have like a, an 80 catch running back with Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, I just I just thought this one was worth bringing up. I'll give you the the last word, Ben, uh, on Connor and Mixon.
4: Oh, I, I agree with Jamie that the Steelers bringing in more competition matters. I mean, when Connor was really great in 2018, Jalen Samuels was a rookie, and Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland weren't on the on the roster yet. So they have a, a completely different running back room than 2018. Um, and I, I agree with Heath on on Mixon, where it is hard for me as well to project this big um, receiving role when he essentially never played more than 75 percent of the snaps, which is kind of required for a three down first round running back. He did it, I think, twice all season. They, even when he was getting those tons of of rush attempts late in the season, um, wasn't wasn't playing enough on passing downs for me to to really like him in the first round. He's a tough one. He's a, he's a tricky one. One thing I will note on him though is Zach Taylor gave him twenty five carries inside the ten last year. He only scored five touchdowns there. He's not yet had a a ten TD season, but Taylor showed that he liked to use Mix in there. So if the offense improves, um, you know he could have a, a lot a lot more touchdowns this year than we saw the last couple of years.
0: Only 16 catches in those last eight games when he was the number four running back in fantasy. He had 177 carries, but only 16 catches. Uh, Next running back stat, Marlon Mack. Let's take a look at Marlon Mack and maybe see how it relates to Jonathan Taylor. Where has he finished per game each of the last two seasons? In 2018, it was a really good year for him. He was 12th in non-PPR and 19th in PPR. Marlon Mack last year was 14th in non-PPR and 23rd in PPR. And he was on pace for 260 carries in in 2018 and 282 carries in 2019. So, talking about a guy who's getting 16, 17 carries per game and he can't crack the top 15 in PPR. Um, didn't crack the top 10 in non-PPR. This guy just very rarely catches the ball. Uh, Jamie, what does this stat mean for you
3: with Marlon Mack? And Jonathan Taylor, how it relates. I, I mean... I, ben is probably the better person to ask about this because of the, the superior athlete that Taylor should be compared to Marlon Mack and, and what he should be able to do with those touches. Um, I don't think that Taylor is going to come in and all of a sudden become a significant factor in the passing game. It just doesn't make sense with what they have on their roster and how he's performed uh, as a collegiate player. I mean, he, he's he's a better receiver than people give him credit for that goes without saying, but are they going to force him into that role with an aging quarterback, with a, a, a pass catcher in Naheem Hines uh, with a gadget player in Paris Campbell that can line up in the backfield. And Marlon Mack was used a little bit more as a receiving option as a rookie than he was uh, his, his last two years. So I think we could see, you know, Taylor take advantage of what this offensive line is and what those rushing opportunities should be to be a better player. Uh, I know that's what Ben is hoping for, but um, you know, Mac is it it, it it's funny because like I I hate you know pooping on Mac because I think he's been a good fantasy option for us. Um, he's just not a guy that's going to go to that next level, you know. So yeah, th- that's it, where I think Taylor comes in. It's in the,
1: the only thing I would say in defense of him is that it is interesting that he's been a top twenty-five even PPR back playing forty-five percent of the snaps most weeks. Like he's not a guy that has played. It seems like he might be able to be a top 30 guy if he plays 45% of the snaps still, and he's being drafted as like a number 40 running
3: back. You know what I think of Marlon Mack all the time? Um, Like, Joseph Adai was a good running back. I don't think he was ever great, and I feel like Marlon Mack's like kind of the same type of player. They're, They're different guys, but, you know, in terms of like perception, like you would always draft Joseph Adai going, well, he's Peyton Manning's running back, and the Colts offense is really good. Marlon Mack was Andrew Luck's running back. You know, he's putting up good numbers, especially, you know, last year, the offensive line, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I just feel like if if you get a player of Taylor's caliber and what he can do in this scenario, you're going to be a lot happier if those numbers go to what they potentially could be.
4: And I'll say you guys have all heard my thoughts on Taylor, but to his point about Mack, if I wasn't like drafting him? so much Taylor, yeah, I, I'm kind of <laughs> fond of him. If, if I wasn't drafting so much Taylor, I would probably be drafting more Mac. He's weirdly underpriced. And and part of my whole take on Taylor is I like the setup for this backfield. I like the fact that their offensive line is so good. I like the fact that their schedule in the first half is so soft. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think there's going to be enough running back touches for Taylor to get some, but I still think there's going to be plenty for Mac to get some. So I agree with Heath. He could very easily beat his ADP.
3: I think when you look, yeah, at yeah. The if stats, there was no Taylor, we—I I don't know where you guys have Mac. He'd be top fifteen, easy for me.
4: He'd be way up there, yeah.
3: Not in PPR though.
4: Maybe not. Quite He'd be in PPR. close.
3: Well, i, I yeah, I just—I just said though,
0: like he hasn't been that on a per game basis. usually the last two years. But th- this is my point. If I told you, I'm giving you a running back that in two seasons is going to average four point seven and four point four yards per carry, and get like sixteen and a half and seventeen and a half carries per game both years. And he's still not going to be a top 15 PPR running back. That tells you just how valuable catches are for running backs. Not just the catches, but all the yards and all the production that comes with it. I thought that I thought that was pretty interesting. And
4: hey, while we're on Mac, I want to I want to give one stat on Mac that I think is a really interesting one. He played, I gotta pull it up really quick, but he played, I believe it's uh 60 plus percent of the snaps. He played 14 games last year. And in the first seven, I think he played at 60 plus percent of the snaps in all of them. And then in the last seven, I think he only did it one time. I'm just going to confirm that real quick. And people say this because he had nagging injuries. He actually broke his hand in the second half. He did not have a nagging injury in the second half. His ankle injury was in the first half when they were using him heavily. And that's the one game he didn't hit 60% of the snaps in the first half. He left with an ankle injury and he was on the injury report the next week with an ankle injury. Second half, he broke his hand. Presumably when he came back, he was healed up from a broken hand. It wasn't a nagging injury. But yeah, the stats are in, in seven games in the first half, over 60% of the snaps six times. And then in the second half, he didn't hit 60% once. So I kind of feel like Indianapolis already kind of made their decision last year that they didn't want, they didn't, they, they tried the three down or, or full workload more on the Mac and they didn't want to do that.
3: All right, guys, Adam, I got to go do a hit for uh, HQ on the Jaguars. Keith, what would you like me to say about Gardner Mitchell?
1: Um, basically Kyler Murray, just 10 rounds later, <laughs> Kyler Murray,
3: there we go. Rounds. We've learned so much today.
0: <laughs> All right, everybody, uh, we're going to take a quick break here on Fantasy Football today. When we come back, wide receiver and tight end stats, plus your Apple podcast questions and your emails at at cbsi.com. We'll be right back. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Julian
0: Edelman was ninth in points per game last year in PPR. He was 19th in non-PPR. The highest that Dave, Jamie, or Heath have him in the rankings in PPR is 28th. Ben, where do you have Julian Edelman in the rankings?
4: 39th.
0: Wow. Wow. Ninth last year, guys. And Heath, you're the high guy. So 19th in non PPR, ninth in PPR. I'll tell you where he was in half PPR, but are we too low on Edelman?
4: I should tell you where I have him in projections, though, because it's a lot higher than that. But sorry. Um, Let Le- Heath come.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think we are too. I-, I think we are, especially with half of the Patriots' defense choosing not to play this year. Um, now I do think that could hurt their play volume. One of the reasons they've been able to run a lot of plays is because their defense has been really good and that helps, but I don't, I kind of went through a stage this summer where I thought Bill Belichick is just going to run the ball 60% of the time and play good defense. And that's enough to win the AFC East. And now I don't really think that probably is with his defensive situation. And Nikhil Harry certainly has upside and talent but the expectation should probably be that Julian Edelman's going to leave the team in targets. And so, yeah, I think we're probably too low on Julian Edelman. Yeah,
4: I agree with pretty much all that. And he comes out 29th in my projections and I'm a little bit low on him in projections, but definitely have him lean the team, as he said. And, and I agree with his comments on the defense. I was, when I did this projection, I had them a little bit more run heavy for those same reasons. And, and now I'll probably have to reconsider that because they've lost some key pieces on D the problem for me with Edelman is he's 34 years old. He played 16 games last year, and that was great. That was the first time since 2016, and that was the first time since 2013. He missed all of the 2017 season. He's missed huge parts of other seasons. And again, he's 34 now. And then also we know that he's he's missing Tom Brady, and so much of his production came with that preternatural connection with the option routes and everything else. That's going to take a little bit of getting used to with Cam Newton uh, I still agree with with everything he said about the the targets and everything. I just don't take him. I have him ranked so low because I don't take him because of his age and his injury history. Just at this point, like I would rather invest in a Will Fuller at the exact same – I have Fuller definitely ranked higher uh, because he's a 26-year-old who, yes, hasn't shown us it yet, but there's guys that have struggled with injuries earlier in their careers. Fuller reminds me so much of Keenan Allen. It's different than Julian Edelman, who's never been able to play back-to-back 16-game seasons in his entire career.
1: To be clear, I, I might be remembering this wrong. 2018, he was suspended for four yeah. games, right? Mm-hmm. So he has not missed a game due to injury since 2015.
0: Okay. Well, I but I forgot about he that. tore his ACL, didn't he? Yeah, he missed, he missed all of missed the full season. He missed
1: 2017. I'm sorry. He's There's not a whole okay.
4: season that isn't <laughs> in the line. <laughs> right. But the, so he, he, has,
1: he has missed almost as many games as Will Fuller last year. <laughs> <time.
0: laughs> uh, yeah. The thing, I, you know, it's, the, the thing with Edelman <laughs> is when I look at him where he is in the rankings, it's like you've got. A lot of really high upside players that people are excited about, like right. McLaurin and AJ Brown and AJ Green and DJ Chark and DK Metcalf and all that. And it's hard, I think, for fantasy managers to draft Edelman over them. But you know what? Like he was number nine in points per game. Is he really going to be outside the top 30 this year? We'll no. see. Right. I, um, I, like
1: I, we're too low. I will be moving him up a little bit more in PPR rankings. And it's certainly in
4: points per game he won't be outside the top 30. I'm probably way too low on him too. And and All I right. was raising my hand when you were saying that about those upside receivers.
0: All right, then let's go to Diggs and Brown. Let's go to the Bills. Stefan <laughs> Diggs and John Brown averaged the same amount of fantasy points last year in non-PPR. Brown a little bit better than Diggs in PPR. Um th- yeah, so what what do you make of that?
1: Are you just trolling Ben? Or is this just like a, a little cookie you're throwing me? <laughs> I have no no
4: issue with this whatsoever. Diggs was clearly pigeonholed last year. He led his team by tar- in targets by like 20. They just didn't throw at all. The, the Bills will throw a little bit more, but not a ton more. But he is the far superior receiver to John Brown. He's, he can do it at all depths. John Brown's a deep threat. John Brown was very good last year. Should have been even better, but Josh Allen missed him on some deep shots. But Diggs is going to be the number one. They didn't trade a first and three other draft picks to make Diggs uh, an even keel with a, a deep threat that weighs like 175 pounds.
1: So we think that Diggs <laughs> is going to go back to his pre 2019 role, right?
4: No, I think it's going to be a combination of both because they pigeonholed him in 2018. Too, they, the Vikings misused Stefan Diggs, is my take. Okay. And the Bills didn't trade what they traded for him to misuse him. That's the other part of my take.
0: It should be noted they scored the same amount of fantasy points in non PPR and brown had 21 more targets than Stefan diggs. i think follow up question would be i
1: would say the earning
0: targets the skill. does the well, but diggs led it his is. team they both led it their is. team he in led targets. His team by a ton. yeah. Right, so question the follow up question is this. do the does Stefan diggs have number one wide receiver upside when you consider not a lot of passing yards in this offense and john brown is just probably better than people give him credit for, you know. so that's the follow-up question. Does John Brown's presence limit Stefan Diggs's upside?
1: Josh Allen's presence limits Stephon Diggs's upside. I agree but with yes. that. Oh, Jamie's back. I, I don't think. I don't think with like I don't know what range we want to go to to discuss upside. If we're talking about bins, and this is not a shot, but you brought it up, so I said bins, one percent outcomes thing then of course he has top 12 upside, but I don't think like reasonable upside. I don't think digs has top 12. Upside. I
4: haven't projected in the top 12. So I completely disagree with that.
3: How many targets do you think digs is going to get?
4: <laughs> I don't have him projected in the top 12. That was a lie. I did at one <laughs> point, but I moved him down a little bit, obviously. He was I'm in at 130. Top- I'm at 130 targets. Wow. And far, far lower efficiency than, than typical for him because of Josh Allen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's as simple as what, what role do you think he's going to play? I think he's going to come in and take a lot of Cole Beasley's short and intermediate targets. Beasley had over hundred targets last year for the first time in his career. He's great. He's fine, but he's a 30 plus year old slot receiver. Who's never done what he did last year. And then I think he's going to also take plenty of the downfield shots. And, and he was the most efficient downfield receiver in the NFL last year. He was he
3: really a lot getting 40 more targets in this offense than he had a year ago.
4: Yeah. Because it, I think the team's going to throw more too, but yeah, Absolutely
0: i i just saw it as like well john brown's kind of earned a big role so i don't you know how many targets do you have john brown getting we'll just wrap here you have 134 digs what
4: is it 100, 102. 102
0: all right he had 115 last year all right jamie he's our last wide receiver stat sterling shepherd in ppr sterling shepherd averaged more points per game than Cortland sutton non-ppr it was flip sutton was better but shepherd was actually on pace for 91 catches so, um, yeah. How, how do you feel about that? Shepard better per game than Cortland Sutton in PPR.
3: I love Sterling Shepard this year. Uh, he averaged, I think it was like 14 PPR points per game in the starts that he made with Daniel Jones. Um, I think it was seven games that those two guys played together. In six of them, he had nine or more targets. Um, we talked about this again on, on HQ. One of the guys Dave is targeting is Darius Slayton, and he's going five spots ahead of Shepard uh, about 10 sp- uh, five wide receiver spots ahead of him, ten spots overall in, on CBS Sports ADP. I, I, I almost think that Shepard is is the better play. He's for me, he's a better player in PPR. You know, I, I, could see if you're trying to hit a home run with Slayton. To me, he's he's a lottery ticket type of receiver more so than Will Fuller is. Um, but Shepard is he's the 49th receiver off the board on on our site. That's just amazing. You know, so I, I think Shepard is. Uh, look, the injuries are a problem. Um, you know, he's banged up last year. Again, you know, the, the same argument you can make about Slayton. This was, you know, one thing he said in, in uh, arguing Slayton's upside is that, you know, most of the numbers that he put up last year, he did without Shepard on the field, Tate on the field, Ingram on the field, and, and Barkley. When all those guys are together, it's hard, I think, for all these guys to stand out to maybe the level that they can. But, you know, Shepard, uh, he doesn't have the same type of ceiling that Cortland Sutton has, but he's certainly the better value.
0: Okay. Tight end's kind of boring. Two tight end stats. <laughs> George Kittle was number one in points per game. People should know that. Very, very similar to Kelsey, but he was about
4: touchdowns, too.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, Kyle Shanahan is bad for touchdowns. He has been. I don't think anyone's had more than five in three years in San Francisco receiving touchdowns. Um, Jared Cook was fifth in non PPR, 10th in PPR. I've got one for you. All right,
1: cool. Jason Witten. Average more fantasy points per game last year than Mike Gaski. Okay,
0: now we're trolling.
1: Then.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I like Blake Jarwin. So cool.
3: <laughs> that was more, a Blake. The Jar- more I think about Blake Jarwin, the more excited I am. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right. After podcast questions, thanks so much for your reviews, everybody. Appreciate it and your questions from Don Pablo, Hey Phil, Will, Jazz, and Carlton. Fresh Prince. 12-team non-PPR, 6-point-per-passing touchdown. Keep one. Josh Jacobs in the 4th. Remember, it's non-PPR. Josh Jacobs in the 4th, Austin Eckler in the 8th, and Kyler Murray in the 10th.
3: Keep one? Mm Mm-hmm. I would keep Eckler.
4: Either Eckler or Jacobs. I don't think you keep a QB in the 10th in this situation.
3: I would keep Jacobs.
4: I think I might take Jacobs, too.
0: From Amarvi. Is my Superflex Dynasty team win now, or should I stock up on future picks? If so, who should I trade away? He has Daniel Jones and Tua. He has Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle, and Kenyon Drake. Let's change the order of these, right? Give me Drake. It first. is not win now. Uh Cortland Sutton. No, it's definitely not. Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs, LaVisca Chenault, Hunter Henry, Chris Hernan, Colkomet. No, it's not win now. No.
1: Trade Kenyon Drake. And Cortland Sutton and Hunter Henry, and if somebody would give you something for him, Sony Michelle as well.
4: Why Sutton? Why trade him?
1: Um, I don't think this is going to be a win next year, team. Either once you trade those guys, and I think by next year, Jerry Judy might be the number one on the on the Broncos. I'm not sure Sutton's value will be higher than it is right now.
0: Next email from Flo John: standard keep standard ten team league keep three. Derek Henry in the third, Tyreek Hill in the fifth, uh, Eckler in the sixth, Ertz in the ninth, and Hunt in the tenth. Henry Hill, Eckler. Right? Henry, Henry in the third, Hill in the fifth, no, it, Eckler in the sixth.
4: Not for me. It's – uh on Oh, it's standard? Yeah. This is non-PPR. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I can understand Henry in the third then. For me, it would be Hill and, and Eckler for sure. I was thinking Ertz in the ninth is, is a pretty interesting one. but in standard, I would probably go
3: Henry Hill and Ertz.
0: From Over Evan Ertz. Evan Phillips, 36. Heath, I need to hear the story of you throwing out the first pitch at the Royals game.
1: That um, happened? Yeah. I worked nice. for a company in Kansas City, and uh, I mean, we had a like a company event at the game. And so it was like four or five hundred employees and I won a drawing to get to throw the first game out. But unfortunately, they had I was like 22 years old when this happened and we had like an enormous tent and free food and booze for two hours before the game. Um, I got in trouble for bringing my drink onto the field at one point. But then I threw like I had a female um, employee was the catcher. And we had, she was very concerned that I was going to throw one of the dirt and hit her in the shin. And so we made an agreement. Okay, I'll, I'll throw it high. You just stand up. Because I've seen them do that on the first pitch before. The catcher kind of stands up just a little bit early yeah. and they catch it. So I actually threw it right where I was aiming. And she completely froze. Did not even move her glove like, just sat here like this. The ball goes over her head. The cameraman was behind her. And so I have the video of me throwing this ball and the cameraman at the last second ducking out of the way. <laughs> and it went to
3: the backstop. Oh, we got to see the video. Come on. Great. It's,
1: um, it's on VHS only. So what, one day.
0: All
3: right. We'll come over. How about you, it uh, you videotape it on your phone and tweet yeah. it
1: up. Yeah, that works. It's not a very, like, I think I need to get it, take it to like a Place and have it converted because it's a pretty terrible. Like this is a twenty-year-old VHS. It all sounds state. bogus to me, Heath. A lot of the my phone. You think I would make up a story that makes me sound that bad?
0: That doesn't make you sound bad necessarily. You I, can't I think even it's, a, throw a it's a funny story. <laughs> uh, all right, this is from M. W. Martin. You da- you guys talk about the injury concerns for Dalvin Cook. What about Kamara's injury history? I don't think he has been able to put together a full sixteen any year. I think that he sat out week 17 once, guys. I don't. Does Kamara have an injury history?
4: No, he had a high ankle oh. sprain last year. That's it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this one. Sorry, M.W. Martin. I wouldn't be concerned about it. Anybody concerned about it? Nope. No.
4: He right. only missed two games with a high ankle sprain. Played through it. Guy's tough. I actually am unconcerned about it.
0: From Chucky Buckle. I'm in a league where you pay real cash for each transaction after the draft. Most teams carry at least two at each position. With this format, would you be more likely to draft the early, more guaranteed quarterbacks and tight ends, and less likely to stream?
1: Certainly, would be less likely to stream.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every week, (laughs) Jamie and I played in a league like that—a baseball league.
3: Yes, I uh, with the same same person, uh, James Questel, our uh, former fantasy football today producer when the show first started uh, back in two thousand and seven. Um, so it's, uh, it's a football league that I help them with. And the decisions are tough, you know, especially, uh, when you're getting to the point in the year where you're got to decide, are you going all in or are you staying out, uh, to protect your finances. So, um, it makes it, it, makes it challenging. You see a lot of teams that will not make transactions early in the year, just with the, Hey, this guy might be good. You know, it's, it's gotta be something that's, you know, pretty close to a short thing or you really need a player.
0: That's going to do it for today's show. We've got Ross Tucker coming on tomorrow's show. Very much looking forward to that. Thanks so much to all of you for listening. Hope this was a helpful show for you. And we got position previews coming up next week. Can you believe it? Next week. For Jamie, for Heath, for Ben, for the other Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you on Friday, everybody. Have a good one.
2: Okay, picture this